talking and I'm not and I'm just <laughs> And then I'm talking <laughs> No, but wait, wait, I have something for him. Boom, you get shot down. Now you're just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. Concentrate on the news. It's what we do. Wow. <laughs> FYI, there's nothing wrong. Yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> Welcome, everybody, to another mini episode of the Weird History Eerie Tales Podcast. I am your host, Moses Saria, and joining me today is my brother, Josh. Oh, my gosh. And mini episode. It's a mini episode. This is our second mini episode. Second one. And I just... And it just dawned on me. This is the the first one was about London, really. But the London Tower, and then this one's about London, but completely different. I mean, it's still torture, but completely different thing. Because today we're going to be talking about a few things that will paint a needed picture for our upcoming two part series on Jack the Ripper. Oh shit! So join us on this episode to find out what London was like leading up to and during the Jack the Ripper murders. Learn about the people who were living in Whitechapel. Find out a little more about the Jack the Ripper victims. Some possible, maybe, extra credit, like pre-practice like practice victims. It's the pre-rex. The pre-rex. The, uh, the pre-rex before the actual victims. And we're going to learn about how Jack, the Ripper, how Jack the Ripper was able to not get caught because of how kind of shitty the police was when dealing back then in, with London and all those fucking... All that Whitechapel racist shit that, yeah. So the crimes of Jack the Ripper, they all occurred in the autumn of 1888. And this was called the Autumn of Terror. That sounds amazing. Because of what happened with fucking Jack the Ripper. Yeah. So London at the time was the world's largest capital city. And the city of London had enjoyed an economic growth a a few decades before. And with that, a middle class was born. So managers, clerks, and administrators, they were all needed. But by 1888, things were starting to change. America came into the picture, and with it, competition arose from Germany as well. Hell yeah, Team America, baby. America. So and Fuck yeah. And this led to mass unemployment, which wasn't that good, which was never a good thing, which in turn led the lower class to fight back. So in 1886 and in 1887... There were a few protests that ended in mass rioting in the West End of London, resulting in the destruction in the destruction and damaging of property as well as rampant looting. So because so many people came to London because it was the world's hub of, you know, just that was like the most like I said, the largest capital city in the world. It's fucking London. People were coming to people were coming to work. Yeah. And then because of America and then Germany, all these jobs kind of left London, so all these people were left without fucking jobs. So they ended up writing. Was this called the the Bloody Sunday? I think, one of events because uh, I think it's around that time. Yeah. Okay. So with the lower class losing their shit, rightfully so, because a lot of people lost their jobs, the middle and upper class were starting to worry about a social revolution, and hmm. with the, and with that fear, they began to pay attention to the East End of London, specifically Whitechapel. So with the middle class and upper class. Fearing the lower class, the bastardization of this lower class was beginning to be felt throughout London. But here is a statement by Canon Samuel Barnett, who was the vicar of St. Jude's Church. And he had this to say about the citizens. Who was a what? Of Whitechapel. He was a vicar of St. Jude's Church. He was like the dude in charge Uh, of the church. This is what he had to say about the citizens of Whitechapel. 
The greater part of Whitechapel is as orderly as any part of London, and the life of most of its inhabitants is more moral than that of many whose vices are hidden by greater wealth. So he's talking. So he's basically saying these poor people ain't as bad as you guys make it seem because you guys aren't all that great either, mm. and it's true. Mm. But still, there was no denying that Whitechapel did have some of London's worst slums, as well as the capital's highest death rate and some of the shittiest living conditions. Just like any poor slum, overcrowded living situations and crime-ridden streets were just part of everyday life in Whitechapel. Violence drunkenness, and sexual abuse were all universal experiences here. Here, the dregs of this Victorian society were cramped into shitty dwellings with as many as 20 fucking people sharing a house. 25. 20. 25. 20, 25 people sharing a house and entire families in one tiny room. Sometimes that family, they will rent a corner in their room to a lodger to help pay for the room. So this dude, so sometimes people just had a corner. They'll just <laughs> fucking sleep on their. Sh- hey, are you looking for a corner to sleep in? That's how bad this fucking. Time yeah, dude, was. that sounds horrible, man. That sounds. Uh, brutal. And the worst part of Whitechapel was known as the evil quarter mile. Which is where the evil quarter, quarter mile, which is where hmm. the white, which is where the Jack the Ripper murders occurred in this ah. evil quarter mile. Oh, yes, 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 and yes, this yes, quarter yes. mile is where lodging houses in which thousands of men, women and children slept in rooms that were extremely overcrowded. A lot of these lodges were, you know, they were well run, though, but a large number of them were shady places that lodged criminals, prostitutes. And the mentally unstable. Oh, the whores. It's just, and these lodges houses whores. were, it's basically where you have to pay per day. Per day. Per day. Damn. You know, you know like, you see them in Western, you see them in old movies, like, oh, it's, it costs this pence a day or whatever. That's what the lodges, that's what these lodging houses were. Yeah. They were just fucking per day. They were housing thousands of people. Dude, it was horrible. Many. And this was in the slums. This was in Whitechapel. In Whitechapel. And the and the um, East End. The e, yeah, East End of London. Yeah, the East End yeah. of London is called. They called that Whitechapel. That's where Whitechapel is. It's because it's the East End of London. That's Whitechapel. Mm. So even though very rarely did the upper and middle class ever venture out into these slums, they were always being reminded of their existence. Strong breezes will often waft. The disgusting stench of sewage or the foul aroma of the area's slaughterhouses and factories mm, into the beautiful into the noses of the respectable classes. And, smell that, Jimmy? And it, and it was in this area, in this climate, that the that the infamous Whitechapel murders took place. Jack the Ripper conducting his reign of morbid terror in this area, and by showing himself to be smarter than the authorities. Jack the Ripper basically confirmed every fear and prejudice that the middle classes had about the East End of London. It sucks to be them. Now, when we talk about serial killers, we uh, we often want to get to the details of how they did the murders and why they did these murders. But most people overlook the policing of these 
killers, and to be more exact, the policing of Jack the Ripper. Through the which sounds horrible. Remind me never to do that ever again. The police were a huge reason why Jack the Ripper never was never fucking caught. We're gonna get into a lot more detail in the series, but right now we're just gonna paint the picture for you guys to understand. Yeah. No, and kind of we're giving you a brief yeah. uh, information behind the scenes of the actual murder and see what the police, uh, what type of policemen were involved in yeah. solving yeah. these case. So that being said, the Whitechapel murders. Um, investigated by two major police forces. We have the Metropolitan, I should say, police and the City of London Police. More information about the Metropolitan Police. It was run and appointed by the commissioner known as Sir Charles Warren. At the time of his appointment, he was respected highly, so highly that the Times newspaper stated this, and I quote, Precisely the man whose sensible Londoners would have chosen to preside over the police force of the metropolis. So, when so they, he was. So he was that guy. So when, so so when he they was hired like, him, yeah, he was like big dick energy sensitive. From his that's dude. our franchise player. Yeah, that's that's the dude. We're that's gonna our build goal our, too. That's the dude we're going to build our team around. Uh huh. Sir Charles Warren. But by 1888, his rep had his reputation had been tarnished, tainted by his handling of what became known as Bloody Sunday. So for those who don't know what Bloody Sunday is, you mentioned it, how there's protests for unemployment, stuff like that. This is one of the events. And long story short, the protests led to a violent clash between the police and the demonstrators. More than 400 people arrested and 75 people brutally injured, including many policemen. So... After people witness how Sir Charles Warren handled this situation, they started shitting on him <laughs> in, a, in an unfairly way. They're like, dude, you handled this so bad. No wonder, no wonder you have the inability to catch Jack the Ripper. And to even add more insult to injury in, the, in, in some of these lodging houses, yeah, like where all the criminals would stay at, mm-hmm. the owner of the lodging house... They would have a picture of Warren and people would walk in so they knew who was in charge of everything that was going on. Like if you got caught being a prostitute, if you got caught doing damage, this is the dude who, who's, who, who's fucking you. And so every lodging house is in the east. So he, so he didn't have, so London was already kind of on, like they were, he, he was on their bad side. But when it came to like the poorer class, they fucking hated this motherfucker. Yeah. And it gets worse. Because his assistant commissioner, his name is James Monroe, resigned, which was effective on the 31st of August, 1888, due to butting heads with Sir Charles Warren. They just couldn't get along. When it comes to different uh, situations, they're, they're always butting heads. Here's the worst part. James Monroe was in charge of the Department of the Detectives, right? which is a big fucking deal. Yeah, it's a big, big deal. Yeah. Right? So, the department took a big fucking hit after uh, James Monroe, Monroe just fucking said, screw it, I'm, I'm done. done. Fuck this dude, fuck you, he's out. So, the department, uh, the Metropolitan was like, dude, we need someone to replace this guy, quick. So, this person 
right? He was replaced by Dr. Robert Anderson. The doctor? Yeah, Dr. Robert Anderson. Check this out. So they got him. The fucked up part is he was already exhausted from his previous shot. He was burned the fuck out already. When he took the job, his mindset was already, I fucking hate my life. I'm just over everything. A week later after his appointment, he, he went on vacation. <laughs> a week later. I like this guy. A week fucking later. He's like, you know what? I, I, I didn't sign up for this shit. It's too early. And he got his vacation and went to Switzerland. And never came back. No, he came back. Uh-huh. He came back. So on the 15th of September, uh, 1888, Warren told the home office that in order to, quote unquote, successfully have a grip on the Whitechapel case, it needs someone who will have nothing else to concern himself with. So he's like, we need someone who's going to be like, you know what? Fuck my wife. Fuck my kids. Fuck my family. Fuck everything. I'm just going to take full priority. Jack the Ripper. 24-7. Jack the Ripper is the only son of a gun that I'm going to focus on, which is a big fucking thing. And I'm pretty sure, you know, like hindsight 2020. Yeah. It's been like over 100 years. Pretty sure he pretty sure this dude did a dick job. Yeah. Well, <laughs> kind of, kind of, kind of. This dude is known as Chief Inspector Donald Sutherland Swanson. Well, Swanson. So he's a Swanson. That sounds like a cop. Yeah. The Swanson. Detective Swanson. Chief Swanson. Right. So check this out. Warren. Really wanted a person to take this fucking job. Right. So, whoever took the job, he was going to get priority in everything special. Oh, so he was going to get first dibs on everything. So, he got his own office, right? The Inspector Donald Sutherland Swanson. He got his own office to the point that every paper, document, report, telegram, wherever the fuck it was, had to pass through his hands. Relating to Jack the Ripper. So no matter what it was, it had so to, no matter to look what, at it. He had to look at it first before it was sent out to other detectives or to the press or to every department. He yeah. needed to be the first one to look at it and then check it off. Now, this happened for a while until Robert Anderson, Dr. Robert Good Anderson, doctor. he came back. When he came back, he came back in early October. Right After he came back, Chief Inspector Swanson then became the desk officer under him. Oh, so he just became his fucking assistant. Yeah. God damn. That's it. So, uh, I don't know how I would personally feel, right? Because I dedicated my whole shit now on this guy, Jack the Ripper, and then this just, fucker comes just, out of nowhere from you. and it took everything away from me. Now, thanks to uh, Swanson, fucking uh, Robert, now has a lot of information on Jack the Ripper. Because this dude, Swanson, he, he called three everything. Yeah, yeah. So he was caught up. Now, to go more into details about uh, the Metropolitan Police, they're like, you know what? We got to create two divisions within our police department. So they did. They created two divisions for the Whitechapel murders. One being the J Division. And the J Division, um, they... Patrol the area in which Mary Nicole fell under the uh, fell to the hands of Jack the Ripper, and then H Division uh, patrolled the other areas around the East End. Okay, right. So they just literally, literally they split the departments. You take this side, you take that side. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that happened. 
And then uh, within the these patrols, uh, we had uh, an individual named as um, an individual named Inspector Edmund Reed. He was in charge of this H division, right? Uh, he was a popular detective on foot. Like if you mention Reed, people knew who the fuck he was. All right, right. So he was in charge of the H division. Uh, he hated the press. He avoided criticism of the press because they were shitting. Whoever was in charge of the white chat, if you're a policeman and you're in charge or even related or doing, uh, going into the Jack the Ripper case, you would just get shitted on by the press. Yeah. And then instantly. And then a lot of times, one of our sources for our series is a documentary that's on Amazon, you know, the one we watched. Yeah. And I'm not going to go too much into it, but in that documentary, we're going to mention it in, the, in, in our next episode. They talk about how they beefed it, how the media beefed it with the police. Yeah. And how they interfered. They interfered with each other. They interfered with each other. Yeah. And like, instead of using each other, instead of the police using the media, I mean, like using the media, the newspaper and everybody to help them, they just were just button heads left and right. And then a lot of people didn't want to speak to the police. So they speak to the media and then the media would get a lot of the attention first and the headlines. And a lot of times the police would try to keep a lot of shit secret and the media is like, nope, we got it. Let's print it out. And then they will print shit out. And to top it off, they would sometimes talk out of their ass. Yeah. They will make assumptions of who Jack the Ripper is. They give a name. I mean, the, you, you've seen the example in the documentary where it's like they gave a name out and then the dude's like, what the fuck? I never committed a crime. And everyone's like, yeah, it's fucking Jack the Ripper. You know, it's like, fuck. <laughs> you know? I was like, God, that fucking sucks. So the media and the policemen, uh, they, they they never they never got along. They never got along. And now it's and that's a huge reason why Jack the Ripper was never caught. Yeah, and why Jack the Ripper became Jack so the Ripper. Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Yeah. Watch that documentary. There's more information on Jack the Ripper, in which I was like, holy shit. There's so many it's, it's so whole- many loopholes so many uh not loopholes fucking uh like so many different avenues of who the jack the like this is yeah like we're not fuck, i don't want to give too much away but this documentary if you guys want it's on uh it's on amazon or what it's called i think it's just dr the ripper the jack the ripper files yeah it's just two episodes one deals with just the media and how it focuses on just the media side of the jack the ripper murder and you start seeing that that refreshing view of the jack like now you're seeing Jack the Ripper in a whole new lens, and you're like, oh, whoa, this is it's refreshing. It's cool. You're just like, oh, shit, I never would have thought of this. Yeah. But don't watch it, because if you watch it, we, you're going to spoil a lot of our episode. <laughs> so please don't watch it yet. Um, but going back to uh, what I stated about the policemen, um, of course, there was more hundreds of policemen involved in this case, but everything that I stated the divisions, the names, the chief inspectors, these were the names that came uh, across frequently in when, you, in, Jack the Ripper when it comes to Jack the Whitechapel murders and Jack the Ripper. These are the names that you always constantly see, right? So that's why uh, we talked about them because these are the dudes that we mainly see when it came to the cases of Whitechapel. Okay, so now let's talk about the people of Whitechapel. And th- and some of these numbers are fucking alarming. So, of the approximately half a million people living in the East End. Half a million. 250,000 had Whitechapel as their home. So, half of the population of the East End lived in Whitechapel, in the slums. Fuck. And about 
15,000 of these 250,000, they were legally classed as homeless. The lives of one in four children would be claimed by disease, hunger, neglect, and sometimes even violence by the time they were five. God. So the neglect, bro. That's just yeah. Because a lot of that's horrible. And that's a horrible way to just. So the majority <laughs> of the so the majority of the people living in the east end of London, and more importantly, Whitechapel, they were immigrants who were arriving in London during London's economic boom. A large number of Irish immigrants had also began arriving after the potato famines of the 1840s. So employment, it was infrequent as. Fuck. Men? Dude, this is fucked up. So men might find work in the docks, right? But this meant turning up early as hell at the gates of the dock to await the foreman. And the foreman, he would hand out work tickets every day. If you had a work ticket, that means you worked that day. And he only had a, a limited amount of work tickets. So you could imagine the the, the fighting, the screaming. The chaos, the... Of just trying to get one of these yeah. fucking and if you got the work if you if you got the work ticket today, it's, okay it's not it's not guaranteed tomorrow. You have to fucking fight for it. So that was how you got work at the docks. And if that didn't work, work could also be found in the same areas, sweatshops, working in trades such as boot and cabinet making, or in the huge factories that outlined the district. The hours they were extremely long, with some people working up to twenty hours. At a time straight. Fuck. The conditions, they were fucking horrible. You were just sitting, like, if you were making boots, you were just literally making boots all day. You got no break, whatever. If you didn't bring food, you weren't eating. There was no windows. You're just inhaling fumes and doing all this shit. And the pay was even worse. And what a lot of people would do was they'd give, a, you know, like, they'd have, like, their wage like i'll pay you this much to work and because a lot of immigrants wanted jobs they'll be like for like for example for for boot making you'd get paid i think it was two pence a day yeah yeah two pence a day and sometimes they'll be like hey, if you pay me one pence a day i'll do it so the sweatshop's like yeah fuck you right, we'll take you then yeah so no englishman would want to they're not i'm not gonna work for a fucking for you know for, for almost nothing so that so that's where the that's where a lot of Englishmen were like, all these fucking immigrants are stealing our jobs mm. and la, 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 la. So in May in 1887, Charles Booth, a wealthy man turned philanthropist and social reporter, he presented a paper to the Royal Statistical Society where he outlined the fucked up reality for the many who lived in the East End. So out of a population of around 460,000, he estimated that 22% of them were living on the poverty line, while 13% of them were struggling against conditions against conditions in which he said, quote unquote, quote unquote, decent life was not imaginable. The ugliest reality behind the statistics was that 60,000 men, women, and children lived their daily lives on the brink of starvation. Mm. He brought this to the government. Like, this is what's going on in fucking East End of London. Then in 1888, the already thin picking of jobs got a lot thinner when a huge influx of Jewish immigrants 
fleeing from Russia's persecution, arrived, increasing the Jewish population in Whitechapel to around 50,000. Fuck! So you can probably already guess how the Jewish community was treated around this time, considering the economic hardships, raising mass unemployment, with the bastardization of these Jewish immigrants being vilified for, quote-unquote, stealing English jobs. That sounds really familiar. Hmm. It also didn't help that in June 1987, a notorious East End murder where both the victim and the perpetrator were both Jewish. So Israel Lipsky, a guest at a lodge, poisoned another lodger by pouring nitric acid down her throat. And even though he was caught and then ultimately hanged, the damage had already been done. The murder had resulted in a good deal of anti-Semitism in the area. And eventually, Lipsky, the name Lipsky became used, was being used as a slur word for the Jewish community. No fucking way. So they were just like, oh, look at this fucking Lipsky. Like, that's Shit. fucking horrible. So, and this was like, this was proof for a lot of people were like, see, all these Jewish people are fucking killing each other. So when the Jack the Ripper was going on, who were the first, who were the fucking first people to be blamed? The Jews, the Jewish community, and a lot of the immigrants. But it was the Jewish community that was like, oh, it was them because no Englishman could do such horrible things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when Jack the Ripper's murder started, many in the community came to the conclusion that no Englishman could be responsible for something so grisly, and they were way too willing to pin the blame on the community that they had already been vilifying and blaming for so many of the problems in their everyday lives. The numbers, the fucking numbers. So many people were fucking just, it was just a, it was just a dick time for a lot of people. <laughs> a dick time. It was horrible. Fuck. Well, Moses, this next segment, I like to call what's called practice makes perfect. You're going to hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've done pretty much. I accepted that. But. <clears throat> Marianne Nicole, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly, known as the five canonical victims killed by Jack the Ripper himself. Five victims were killed in a similar way, described as brutal and butchered. Now, many Ponder the question, were there starter crimes before the canonical five? And that's a good question because because for a lot of serial killers, and Jack the Ripper, he is a serial killer, if it is one person. Because we don't know. There's theories where it could be more than one person. But Mm -hmm. right now, we're going with the the, Jack the Ripper's one person. And as we all know, from watching movies and listening to other podcasts and things of that nature, serial killers, most most of them build up to their first human murder. Whether it's first killing animals and then torturing people. Or their first attempt. Uh, yeah. First attempt on killing. So, yeah. So, when the Jack, so when the Jack the Ripper murders happen, a lot, you know, it's obviously, you know, like, did, did this dude practice on somebody? Because these are the five that were yeah these are the categorized that yeah. these fell in the hands of yeah these the can- Ripper. yeah these canonical five the canonical five are 
100% Jack the Ripper. Victims. Murders. Yeah. yeah. Victims. But that's not to say those were the only victims. Yeah, just like um, the, the name of the segment, Practice Makes Perfect. Now, here are the list of possible victims that fell to the hands of the Ripper. First one we have is known as the Rainham Murder, which happened in the summer of 1887. Body parts were found in the Thames River in Rainham, 10 miles from London. And people found packages that had the head, legs, and arms of an unknown victim. The crime was not associated with the Ripper until two years later. So it's a whole year after the Jack the Ripper murders ended. Yep. Now, at the time, people suspected this woman died from illegal abortion, which is a big fucking no-no. Okay? And this is why they thought it was it. Because they thought by severing the body and getting rid of the evidence, they wouldn't fall upon that crime. I thought, like, she had an abortion, so she fucking exploded. (laughs) (laughs) She's boom. That's a pretty hardcore abortion, dude. Next, we have Annie Millwood. The 25th of February, 1888, Annie Millwood. Annie Millwood checked into the Whitechapel Workhouse Infirmary. Millwood, the age of 38, had been stabbed in the belly and legs multiple times. She was just stabbed. She was just stabbed. Stab, stab, stab. She recovered, but a week later, after her recovery, she died from a rupture pulmonary artery. Oh, so she's so the places where she was stabbed, the belly, the legs, part of her private. They're saying, "Well, these in, it, are the regions where like, Jack the Ripper was aiming for." Next, we have Ada Wilson. Ada Wilson was a prostitute and was attacked early in the morning on March 28th of 1888. Now, <laughs> she was stabbed twice in the throat after refusing to give money to an unknown person who knocked on her door. So she clocked out being a prostitute. She walked into her house. A knock followed. She opened the door person was like, hey give me the money she said no stabbed twice in the throat in the throat in the throat honestly i don't know why they assumed this was related to um to jack maybe because she was a prostitute she got hit in the throat yeah (laughs) yeah because i mean i mean i mean not i mean not to sound sexual but like (laughs) i was like wait (laughs) what i mean because you know like he would slit i i think it's i forgot which one of the five canonicals five he slit the throats yeah so that's that. I mean, that sucks. You just clock out of work. Something opens. You just door, clock just out stabbed. from sucking dick. So all much di- dick. And not dick. good dick. It's I'm crusty, pretty sure there's crusty, crusty dick. dank dick cheese everywhere. She had dick cheese salad. <laughs> oh, f- she just wanted, fuck. She just wanted to get home and shower, bro. That's hard. That's, that's fucking brutal. <laughs> Shit. Next up, we have Martha Tabram. She was a single mother of two who supported her family by selling small convenience items. Unfortunately, sometimes she relied on alcohol to solve her issues and will sometimes prostitute herself for money. Tabram was found stabbed about 40 times. Holy fuck. 
because of the unpredicted brutality of this murder, it drew attention to the case of the Whitechapel murders that fell in the hands of the Ripper. 40 fucking 40 times. times. 40 How times do you even stomach. How do you even count yeah. that? They said estimation. Uh, and it's, I think the the weapon was like a small pocket knife. So it was just constant, just. Like, but still, like, you, you'd imagine he stabbed her in the same spot a few times. Like, how do you know, it? like, unless he stabbed the shit out of her and there was 40 visible, like, wounds? Oh, somebody's job to be like, that's one, two, three. That literally is somebody's job. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Next up, we have Jane Beadmore. On September 23 of 1888, several newspapers attributed, attributed her death to the Ripper. Here's why. Although her murder took place in the small village of Bertley in the rural north of England, the murder method and mutilation of Jane Beadmore was similar to the method of the Ripper. Now, here's a catch. William Wadwell, Beads more enraged fiance, right? So, this was his fiance, made death threats to all around him days before her death. Oh. So, this dude was like, I'm going to fucking kill anyone that's around me. She died. After her murder, Wadwell fled. He just booked it. Booked it. He was caught. And was pleading, taking the trial. Right, he was found not guilty. But later on, he confessed that he read and studied the Whitechapel murders. So she was. So killed. they're saying. So he confessed that he knew about the Whitechapel murders. The Whitechapel murders. He wasn't plead guilty, but they're saying if it wasn't him. It was more of a copycat killer. Killer. So if it wasn't him who did the murder, they, they assumed somebody else studied and researched yeah. uh, the method of Jack Ripper and, uh, well, fucked her up. And there was a lot of media coverage, so a lot of people knew about the Jack the Ripper murders. There were newspapers were literally started because of the Jack yeah. Ripper murders. And they became famous and well-known because of these. A few of, the, a few of them were based. Well, one of them is still fucking around. It started because of the Jack the Ripper murders. Yeah. And then there's it's a huge tribunal in fucking London. And we have one more. One more victim. Possible victim. So, by the summer of 1889, this is a year where the uh, the Ripper murders were tend to just disappear. There there wasn't a lot of hype after hype, no murders. But in June, the summer of June of eighteen eighty nine, almost a whole year after, right? River workers and police found packages of middle aged women, limbs, heads, torso, in these boxes. His victim was pregnant. The fetus was torn out. Oh. And her, and her uh, uterus? uterus was missing. Right? She was later identified as Elizabeth Jackson. Worst part is, just 
days before the evidence of her murder was found, the police found the letter. They read a letter that was sent to them personally that was signed by Jack the Ripper. Oh, He stated, he is not dead, but liveth. And adding that he intended to begin his work again. Days later, two days later, they found they found the corpse with the missing with the missing fetus and her uterus. Could it be Jack the Ripper? Could it be a copycat? Who knows? I I think that's what makes this case so prominent, so famous. Because one, it's been unsolved, right? Yeah. It's still unsolved. So many theories of who there was, Jack yeah. the Ripper really was. And I think that's what drives people to and then just go crazy. There's that for and this. Then, and then that whole Victorian era where the Jack the Ripper took place. There's so much romantic you know, like so 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 many people romanticize that era. Mm-hmm. And it's just like that whole like it's just like a perfect mix for like nostalgia or like for hundreds of years for people to still be like, oh shit, Jack the Ripper murder. It's like you were surprised like you were surprised as fuck in the documentary. Where they were doing the tours, and you were like, "What the fuck? They're touring this shit?" Yeah, and they fucking like it, like they take you to, which is crazy. Yeah, like this is the place where Elizabeth Stride was butchered and found, and the dude was like, "Oh, yeah, he's so into it, so fucking." I mean, I would too. I mean, if you're doing these tourists, I will fucking yeah, yeah, I will fuck, I I would hate to listen to a dude who's just this is this is what she died, and but this dude was fucking into it man all that was missing was just like fucking glitter and like pom-poms this yeah was, this he totally was really had a hard it. on he had a hard <laughs> on talking about this shit weird but it made the the whole attraction seem pretty cool I, if you're into that shit i want to take that tour i personally wouldn't i want to take that tour. i'll give no fucks i want to take that tour and would you i would and there's also a tour for uh gilda ray like there's a few castles like when you go i'm to the down castles, for that one i get personally i've been in the fucking castle before have you so i haven't oh been in the castle before yeah. Uh. So I. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. We should plan that shit. I was. Me and a buddy Chris were supposed to go this year to France for Hellfest. Mm. And never went there. No. <laughs> we're waiting on our tax returns and. Oh. We ain't getting dick. So we're like, okay, that shit ain't happening. Fucking a. So before we end the episode, I wanted to uh, talk about. Who the Jack the Ripper victims were. Not specifically the Jack the Ripper victims, but who he was going after. Which were the unfortunates. The whores. The whores. Mm. But the city of London called them the unfortunates. Why? Because London didn't want to admit to having a prostitute problem. Mm. They just wanted to say they had an unfortunate problem. Sneaky bastards. So they called them the unfortunates. So it's not hard to believe that those living in such shitty conditions were kind of dehumanized by those outside looking in. Like I mentioned earlier, childhood was brief if you managed to not die by the age of five. And even then, if you did survive past five, by the time you got to be in your teens... You've probably seen a lot of shit that stripped you of any innocence you might have had. That's fucking hard. Your childhood 
was brief. <laughs> it's the fuck. It's true. That that just the times, fuck. Times were tougher, bro. Times were tougher. See what happens when you get no Wi-Fi. Childhood was wow, Wi-Fi. Okay, that's the that's the only reason why all this should happen. So it's of no surprise to hear that women often turn to prostitution out of necessity. A lot of times, many families relied on the prostitution of the mother or daughter for them to survive. See, that's where you know it's so fucked up times, bro. Well, you, Horrible. You, you heard the statistics. Horrible. Like, the, the dad the wanted the dock. He couldn't get a ticket. Yeah. Like, fuck this. The fuck am I going to work? I'm going I'm, I'm to work fucking the whole day for not even enough for a beard? Like, what the fuck's but the point? I had point? enough for a whore. <laughs> Damn. So for the majority of the women who for the majority of the women who were turning tricks or being you know who were out there being prostitutes, this was the way to not only earn enough money for food and rent, but to pay for the drink that helped soothe the pain of dealing with crusty dudes all damn day. Well you just crusty again. What does that even mean? <laughs> fucking crusty. A figure throw. Hey, hey, stop, man. I got we, the listeners. Me, personally. What the fuck is just a crusty? Just a dirty dude. Just dirty. If you're listening to this episode, I dare you look it up. Crusty dick. A figure thrown around. You're not going to say, oh my God. I'm over it. I'm over it. A figure thrown around was that there was approximately between 60 to 80,000 prostitutes oh. in London. Oh, there was way many more crusty dicks in London. What, Sixty to eighty thousand in London in general, not in, the East End of in London. London. Oh, okay, I was like, dude, six to eighty thousand fucking East End. But when you take into account that many women can make more dealing with men in one day than yeah. working an honest job for a week, it wasn't hard to see why many women went down this route. Yeah, I was like, hey, you know what? I'm a, uh, I'm gonna sell some ass. Yeah. Damn. So during the height of the Ripper murders, the home office asked the police to provide a, a statistic on the number of prostitutes in the area of Whitechapel. Oh, boy. Specifically, the evil quarter mile where most of the murders took place. Well, according to the police who would roam these streets. What's the percentage, bro? They claim to have no proof of distinguishing patrons from prostitutes. Hmm. They couldn't tell what, 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 what women were working, like going to work. Or, or which, what women, which ones were prostitutes? But they said it was safe to assume that at least there were twelve hundred prostitutes in this quarter mile. Twelve hundred. Twelve hundred. And these prostitutes, like I said, they were known as the unfortunates because night after night after night after night after night they would lead their clients. To the darkest corners of Whitechapel, where they knew they would not, they would be unbothered. And even before the Ripper murders, these unfortunates, they were still living, they were still living in constant danger. Mm. Whether it was the pimps extorting them for their hard-earned money, the local street gangs just robbing them of their shit, piece of shit customers not wanting to pay, and even other women when they wandered a little too far and ended up in someone else's territory. Damn, the battle of the whores. So the, so they were all, so the unfortunates, even before the Ripper murders, that shit was not 
it wasn't looking too great for them. The unfortunates were unfortunate. It was unfortunate. For the unfortunates. It was unfortunate for the unfortunates. Dude, that's... That's... Uh, fuck. So, this is basically the intro to our Jack the Ripper murder series. This is for you to understand the kind of of environment London was in. So, as you know... Because the, these next two episodes, we're just going to be talking about the murders. We're not going to dive into anything else. And I wanted to paint a picture for for some of, for maybe the few of you that don't really know how London was outside. How fucked up. How fucking horrible it was. Because, you know, because, like, if you didn't know about the Jack the Ripper murders, you'd assume, like, how the fuck did they not catch this dude? Yeah. Like, he killed five people out in the streets. They're prostitutes. Yeah. But, like, it's not that hard to catch someone. But when you take into account... How fuck well, the area he killed them in? How fucking poor people? And how then, high percentage of crimes were? And then when the police, we're not gonna. I mean, we're just gonna just type. You know, we're just. I'm just gonna say a little bit of it. But when the police were talk, were, were trying to talk to people, everyone was just like, "Man, fuck the police! I ain't talking to none of you guys." So no, there was no help. Yeah. Because like, who? Why? Why am I gonna help you? Like, I'm trying to make a living. Yeah, I'm doing shit illegal. But like, you're fucking taking my money. Like a lot of times, the police. They would fucking take the prostitutes' money. They're just like, hey, take their money, and they'll just fuck off. Hey, give me your shit. Yeah. And it's which is like, crazy, because like, like reading up on these murders, the possible victims and stuff, uh, people will hear the screams, screams of agony, the That was murder, the fucked up part. And they're like, the following morning, they're like, yeah, I heard screams, and shit, but it's normal of how high the crime rates and were there in the East End fucking London. It was just the norm. It's like, oh, someone just... Getting killed, the whore or whatever. It's, yeah. it, it was no, yeah, which there is crazy. Were, and there were inst- there were instances instances too where, like it was like you said, it was just so normal where like, they heard a scream. The next thing, why didn't you say anything? I thought fucking Bob was gonna take it. Like he was next door to Bob's apartment. I thought Bob was gonna <laughs> take it. They asked Bob. Bob's like it was fucking. I thought Ed was doing. It. I saw Ed outside. I thought he was gonna deal with it. So it was just a lot of like it was pointing fingers. Just pointing uh, fingers. You should have like, done that. And then that attributed to the Jack the Ripper never being caught. Yeah, everyone was just minding their fucking business, not giving a fuck. So I hope you guys enjoyed this "quote unquote" mini episode. But one thing I wanted to say, I wanted to apologize because we went a few weeks without an episode. A few weeks, we bro. Went a few weeks. We had some, you know, personal issues going on here at the Weird History Camp. Everything settled. Yeah. So we're back in business. Uh, join us next week as Archie's going to join us. Because today he's not here, Damn, obviously. I forgot he was part of the goddamn cast. <laughs> Damn. It's been that long, people. It's been like a been, weeks, I think. Uh, right? well, no, probably more. Because Adrian, fan, and a friend came in today. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, fuck. He's going to start bitching. I'm like, what? You guys haven't uploaded our episode. I was like, ah, you bitch. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> and a uh, shout out to Clay, man. Uh, he sent me a friend request on IG. I was like, who the fuck? Is Clay? I mean, I thought it was like a bot. I began a lot of bots like, "Hey, watch me on my cam, blah blah blah." I was like, "This that's is that. a dude cam. What the fuck?" That's Clay too. Clay was like, "Watch <laughs> me on my foot," but like, I'm streaming though. He's streaming. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "Who the fuck?" I was like, "Wait, Clay? Fucking, uh, we talked about our our fan Clay. I looked him up. And I was like, yeah, I accepted the friend quiz, and he sent me a DM of a picture of." Oh, yeah, dude, shout out to Clay, dude. So so that's pretty cool. Yeah, so Clay, shout out, thank you. Clay sent to us like a fan logo of, first of all, me and my brother. I'm pretty sure I can speak for Archie. 
We're huge, huge Pokemon nerds. We grew up on Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Clay did a a logo of Gasly, the Pokemon, with you know for the podcast, it's fucking dope. It's fucking cool. It's the background to my phone. It's like the backdrop for my phone. It's, just, it's dope. It's dope as fuck. So thank you, Clay. And um, yeah. So join us next week as we begin our Jack the Ripper series with Achi. And if you don't have anything else to add, I have nothing to say. I'm just depressed now. <laughs> Thank you. Horrible. Guys. Thank you guys. And as always, we are the Weird History Evie Tells Pod.